What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mixed Tapes. This is your host, Eric Stang, on another Die on That Hill segment. And this gentleman I have known, oh my God, probably since second grade. He might be the smartest guest I've ever had on the show so far. And uh, he's got a good hill that he's going to die on today that might ruffle some feathers. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, my buddy, Richard Carpiano. How you doing, my friend? Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, I don't know, I'm going to challenge that claim about smartest guest, but... Uh... But uh, I'm going to try to hold my own today on my argument. <laughs> I I think, well, well, tell the listeners, give the listeners a little background on you real quick, why I think you're my smartest guest. All right. Well, um, I guess you, I guess the, uh, my, my cred comes from the fact that I'm a, I'm a professor of public policy at the University of California, Riverside, but I'm also a hardcore music fan and uh, a big lover of, uh, particularly of so many things that have happened in the of, of, in the music scene in the last, I would say, sort of thirty years or so, four years, and uh, and in that case, I guess you could say I'm sort of more like a. Uh, I think as I got, I've gotten older too, become more of a, I'd say, sort of more of a, a student of music, and so appreciating. Um, it's very. I'm, I'm at I'm at a phase now, I think, in my life where it's very hard for me to even kind of listen to music without thinking about it, like historically. Kind of the the genealogies and the, the traditions and the influences and uh, and how they converge and the you know the kind of the tree of life I guess you could say of of rock and, and other genres. Yeah, it's going to be really cool to talk to you today because, like I said in the beginning, we go way back, and I don't even think I remember. Here's a funny story. Okay, um, I remember hearing "Tears for Fear" shout the first time at your house. I actually remember I think that you gave memory. It's a birthday present. Did I really? Well, then maybe you that's why I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That, you know what? And you, you had great taste. You gave me that, and you gave me uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Well, there you go. Well, my I first mean, cassette tapes. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of. I mean, we're both Jersey guys. You know, not anymore, but we still are. It's always in our heart, and it's like I think you had to you had to listen to Springsteen, and you had to listen to Jovi at one point in your life to to get your Jersey music card. I think right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, did you know real quick? This is for listeners too. Did you know he recorded Nebraska in Colts Neck? No. Yeah, he recorded it at his home studio in Colts Neck, New Jersey. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So that's why it sounds so lo-fi in his home studio. I bet he was, uh, I bet on on breaks between takes, he was probably going to Delicious Orchards and getting some apples. (laughs) (laughs) Strawberry rhubarb pie. Right? (laughs) And apple cider donuts. Oh, my God. So, hey, I'm buttering the listeners up to how cool my friend is and how I haven't talked to him in forever. Even though we do talk on Twitter, um, going down memory lane, uh, now now you get to throw those apples at them, maybe. Uh, what hill are you dying on today, my friend? I think that the Foo Fighters get some elevation by who they hang out with. So what we, what we would call in, in my business a sort of halo effect of uh, where we look upon them uh, very favorably for other ca- characteristics that are beyond their music as well as now it's not to say that they're 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 a bad band uh but it questions about uh, it my question or my concern is about how i think in the public eye we evaluate them uh relative to a lot of other acts in, especially in the pantheon i guess you could say of rock um as well as um I guess that leads into some other other discussions that we could have here, but but also the idea of that really what helps them out. Uh, I guess this is part of my thesis here is that uh, what helps them out is yeah you know, they're they're the, one of the major acts at a time period where they have a lot less competition, and so over time they can't help but look start to look like a better band than what they are. 
move right. on over. I have more right points on, to, uh, to uh, leverage uh, to that argument, but I'll leave. I'll just throw that one out there. For I'm right, right on your hill, dude. Move over. Make a space for me on the hill. I'm right there. And to give the <laughs> listeners an idea real quick who have not listened to the show before, Die on That Hill is basically where we take a, the, the guest takes a, an opinion that he or she has that is – is kind of one of those things where they believe that's the they're like the only one on that hill, right? Um, but I don't play devil's advocate and take the other side. So if I agree with them, I'm right on the hill. If I don't agree with them, I'm not on the hill. And by the end of the conversation, really what I'm looking for is for you, the listener, just to go back and listen to music more, listen to the conversation we're having today and go, you know what? I wonder if that guy's crazy. I wonder if that girl's right. I wonder, you know, I wonder, you know, I want to go back and listen. And, and that's the most important thing because for the show, we have good conversation, no yelling, no screaming, um, but thought provoking. You're the first person to use the word thesis. So like I said, I'm still telling you this, you're my smartest guest by far, but um, really just trying to think about, you know, what, our conversation is 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 going to become because I agree with you. I think the biggest thing about the Foo Fighters and and uh, I'll throw this at you and, and hit it right back into me is that they're in a point like you said where the competition factor. We're talking like stadiums, right? There's yeah, not many bands that can do stadiums anymore, and there's not many bands that have survived decades anymore. Like I think of stuff where we grew up, like U 2s a stadium band, Van Halen's a stadium band. Rolling Stones is a stadium band. You know, you have these bands that if if Led Zeppelin got back together, they'd be a stadium band. Um, there was bon a lot of Bon Jovi, exactly. There's a, yeah, exactly. Playing you know, giant stadium. You know, there's a lot of a lot of those bands that I think were around in the '70s and '80s, but then once we started hitting the mid '90s, we started seeing this decline of bands like longevity. You know, a lot of styles would come in and out. And I think those were one of the guys that that band just, they were just there. So it was like they got elevated. Another band I can think of like that is Coldplay. Another band that's a stadium band that I just do not understand how they're a stadium band. So swinging it right back to you. Take it away. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a, that's, a, that's a really great example of it. Yeah. And the other thing where, where I kind of, I, I try to think about this as sort of a bit of a, I guess you say like sort of like a thought experiment is what, so, I mean, I, I like the Foo Fighters enough when in sort of when they're in the early days when they first came out, you know, yeah. sort of, this would have been, uh, you know, sort of late, mid, late 90s, uh, I guess 95, mid- 94, 95, 96 in that era when they started. Yeah. And and so it is it's kind of interesting to think about how they almost seem more popular or more sort of uh, uh, everywhere uh, now uh, than, they, than they did years ago. But but at the same time, you, got, I, you know, you kind of say to yourself, well, what band? Okay, how many albums now do they have? I mean, they must. It's like at least like eight eight LPs, right? Oh, at least, yeah, yeah. And so, so what band by like their eighth album is like enjoys enjoys like the high point of their success? I mean, like even if you think about like Zeppelin, <laughs> like they, you know, the, every band, every you know, it's usually like kind of the earlier years, kind of the buzz. It's not to say that sounds that music doesn't, you know, the band doesn't, their sound doesn't evolve. You know, maybe they pick up something or, or you know, U2 has certainly had, you know, best selling albums along, you know, along their career and everything else. But it seems almost like they're, they're bigger now than what they ever were. And that just seems strange considering that they're, when, you know, they might come out with a new album or whatever, but it, it seems like the earlier stuff certainly got more attention, got more airplay. And it's kind of viewed as more, at least I don't know, my networks, people kind of say things like, yeah, I, w- I was really into them early on, but it seemed like, you know, they kind of, they kind of plateaued. And, and so, so to see that kind of, so what else is going on here? And so 
I think it's, I mean, again, let, let's, in case I sound like I'm just being a hater, I think they are pretty cool in the sense that they're kind of these ambassadors of, for rock and, and in a way kind of bringing younger audiences in with, you know, some older stuff that they got influenced by or, or acts that they, they would listen to, you know, would be, it, you know, Motorhead or, or Zeppelin or Sabbath or, 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 or Van Halen, you know, as, as the recent even uh, Memorial concert kind of, kind of highlighted too. Um, but at the same time, you know, it seems almost like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They get, you know, they, they're getting a bump by who they, they also, you know, they're, they're constantly doing this shtick thing where it's, uh, that sounds a little like facetious. I, I shouldn't <laughs> mark it. I don't mean it that way. But, but a couple of, there's a couple acts that do this. Someone else uh, told me what, made an analogy to Sheryl Crow does this too, where they bring on these other people from like the Pantheon of Rock that happen to be in their network. I'm sure they're really nice guys and they've got lots of really great friends. You know, the, the Taylor Hawkins concert kind of, kind of uh, indicated that. And so when you have that and people kind of come out i think it's very easy for like audiences to then also sort of elevate the foo fighters to like uh, oh you know look they're hanging out with members of zeppelin and they're jamming and really all they're doing is a cover you know it's like you know, they're, they're putting out you know it's it's not like where i think of like like in the in the in, like the laurel canyon days of like all artists like hanging out and pushing each other to do better music and everything else this is just more of like a, a very performative uh, appearance kind of oriented thing where I, I so I think they get a lot of a, a lot of attention sort of that way uh, by by being I don't want to say a hanger on but 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 definitely by by hanging around you know by by basis of who they associate with I mean the, the rush introduction at the rock hall would be like another kind of example of that too you know did, did they really need did rush really need those guys to be you know dropping like you know they do that cliche let's drop the f word every you know every other word and be like the beavis and butthead kind of cliche like rock you know fan kind of thing and i guess the fans like that kind of stuff but but did, i don't know did rush really need that in order you know that the crowd was cheering for them for like two minutes straight but there's like a standing ovation so it it just seems like a little like it can seem a little much at times too <laughs> i guess that's 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 I guess that, now that's, there's the litany of my uh, hill to die on. <laughs> no, it's a great hill because here's the thing that I think about, right? And 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 it, it's funny. It changed a little bit from from the actual memorial concert, which is really funny. So when Nirvana came out, you know, me and you, if we can date ourselves, we were in high school, yeah. and um, I remember Nirvana not really being big until we were just about graduated. Like they came out, they were, you know, but it wasn't like, it was like, it seemed like the summer of 92 is where they everything just hit. On the, yeah, they, they only got played on the on the heavy, what, uh, was it Rutgers? Was it Heavy Metal Station? Oh, uh, yeah. 88.9? Uh, WSOU. Yeah. Yeah, Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Yep. Yeah, and then and then suddenly they were on like WNEW and, uh, and K-Rock and, and I kind of went, then I thought, ooh, wow, you know, they're getting, they're getting picked up. And they were like, you know, when I heard them, I wasn't your typical like metal guy where I'm like, oh, the hell with this band. Like I heard it and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. But it wasn't something that blew my mind. Like it really wasn't. It was just something like, okay, this is interesting. And then, you know, honestly, like Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden really blew my mind where I was like, oh, wow, we have something going on here. And, and I've talked about grunge before where it's like, I think it's just a destination, not a music scene per se, because all those bands came from Seattle, but none of them really sound like each other. If, if, and then a bunch of people clone them, and then you had the Nirvana soundalikes and the Pearl Jam soundalikes, definitely the Pearl Jam soundalikes. But what I found was, being a guy that played in, in many bands back then, 
um, it was almost like the us against them thing. We're like, oh, you play guitar solos? Oh, like, we're not going to watch you. You suck. You know, like, you know, it was this weird kind of push-pull thing. So for me, it was weird when – so I saw the Foo Fighters at the Tibet Freedom Concert in 96. They were, like, playing in the afternoon on that bill. That's how low they were on the bill, right? And I just remember thinking, like, oh, this is the band Nirvana that makes fun of all Guns N' Roses and makes fun of all these other bands. And then Dave Grohl's, like – friends with rick springfield and he's like cool with this guy and cool with that guy and i'm kind of like this is really weird because is he really that nice of a guy and like i remember when nirvana would hate on a lot of other bands and now he's like you said the ambassador of rock now the thing that's interesting about what you brought up is is you've got you've got bands like james gang right i heard james gang for the first time because of van halen because I had a I had a bootleg cassette tape that I got at Vintage Vinyl in New Jersey, and they were they covered Walk Away, and I was like, "This is a really cool song. Who is this?" And then you find out, oh, it's James Gang. And then I bought the cassette, and I was like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." That's how I found out about them. So now you have like bands like James Gang that are becoming like sort of popular again because of something like this Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. So it's almost like Grohl, in a way. This sounds really funny. In a way, he really elevated a lot of these bands like Metallica did when Metallica was covering all these, you know, new wave of British heavy metal bands. And like back then when people bought records, like these bands were able to like survive because of the royalties they were getting from all those Metallica albums being sold with like, you know, Bread Fan on it or Am I Evil or and then you find all these. these, It's kind of a cool way to find music, right? We have we had a lot harder back in our day compared to now. I mean, you can go on the Internet, you can find anything you want to. But I really do think it's interesting how how he's helped out a ton of these bands. And it's just I want to hate the guy because I just don't believe he's real. But then I think more and more, like after watching the tribute concert and whatnot, I'm like, maybe it's not an act. Maybe he really just he's like he's like the guy that gets the lottery ticket that you never would think would get the lottery ticket. Like if if I said to you back in 1991, hey, the drummer of Nirvana, who was not the most popular guy in Nirvana, the drummer of Nirvana is going to start a band called the Foo Fighters. And in 25 years or 30 years, he's going to be playing with everybody that we listened to growing up. (laughs) You'd be like, you're high, dude. Like, what are you talking about? But that's essentially what happened. And I think, is there nobody really? I mean, you could look at the Chili Peppers as another one of those those kind of stadium bands. But is there really a lack of bands that made the Foo Fighters just kind of weather the storm of because i to me personally they sound very formulated i love the color and the shape i think everlong is one of the best written songs of the last 25 years like i promise you i love that tune that record's good you know monkey wrench is a good song my hero is a good song it's a good record but i feel like as the early 2000s started going on if you heard a pro excuse me if you heard a foo fighter song you already knew where it was going before it was over like you know he was going to scream at the end you know, scream the chorus and it was going to get loud and it was going to, you just knew where it was going to go. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling the Foo Fighter hate already, but it's, it's just one of those things I just don't get. I mean, are, are you with me on this? Am I, am I kind of like making sense on your hill? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, was, that, that's a nice uh, description of where I was kind of going with, you know, that, that the music seems to, their, their sound seems to have plateaued in a way. Whereas, you know, the, uh, 
where and, and strangely or I don't know, you could say maybe plateaued, but then also sort of the overall level of it to where it just seems interesting that they they seem to have a bigger profile now than they in some ways than they did when they were getting a lot of buzz for being kind of a new band. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and the stuff that we that we really got. I mean, maybe it's we sound maybe like a little bit old man. Back in my day, they were, <laughs> you know, they, were they had a better sound. Um, but uh, but I do like I do like your point about sort of being the, the, the connection and being sort of the link. Um, I, I'm forgetting now. I can't. I, I'm, this is not my idea. I read this someplace else. It was some some uh, music writer uh, uh, put put this out. And I think it was a. it's kind of a good argument. You know how we we. Uh, we built this city by Starship. You know, it's considered to be like one of like you know the crappiest songs of all time, and sure. everybody hates on it and everything else. Um, person, brought, you know, of course, this was like a total clickbait kind of article of you know the song isn't really that bad. Hear me out, and then again goes into the logic of all right, well, it was really poppy and saccharine and, and total top forty for for I don't know, it came out what like 85, 86 or something like yeah, that. something like that. But what it did was it was a generational bridge in a sense because now you might go out, and you might buy. It was knee deep in the hoopla was the album and and then parents would say oh i remember grace slick you know she was you know 50, well, at that point what well, we were talking like 15 years earlier uh you know or six or whatever white rabbit you know i remember that and you know and, and volunteers and all that all this other stuff that were you know maybe even the 70s more marty ballon kind of stuff and so in a way it kind of enabled uh it was kind of like a gateway you could say sort of to a past where then people could link back to like Oh, there's all this kind of '70s music that may, might be sort of a I don't want to say a gateway drug, but uh, no, <laughs> but but you know, but but in that sense, you know, kind of opening up uh, some possibilities. Very similar to what you were saying with like um, Van Halen, you know, doing a James Gang cover, or or even the Foo Fighters in that case. In fact, Van Halen, you know, and you think about it, right? Every almost seems like all, their first what was it four albums, you know, had lots of covers in it to kind of show a homage to uh, and and sort of where they were kind of situated, and you know, and in, in well, they, sort of the rock, you know, world. They were a cover band. You know, really, when they started out, they played a ton of covers, and it's kind of neat nowadays. Like I said, we talked about earlier in, in in the pod, you can go on YouTube, and you can find Van Halen covering Walk This Way. You can hear them doing Tush. You can hear them doing all these songs from the 70s. You can hear them doing Casey and the Sunshine Band. I mean, it's crazy. I think that's where Van Halen, um, I mean, we could go down this enormous rabbit hole where I think that, Record companies don't develop artists anymore. Throw them out there, see what happens, and then basically it's a write-off for them. You know, and things are really weird now because you know bands don't make money, so they're not recording in big studios for the most part anymore. It's a lot of it's home studios. The quality, I think, unfortunately, is affected. Um, but they don't develop their artists, and I think that's another reason maybe why you're hearing artists sound the same. Van Halen, I mean, good lord, they played the cover scene for probably a good four years before they got signed. Think about all the different styles of music they're playing. You know, right. that's one of those bands where you look at, you know, I just was listening to Van Halen one in the car the other day. It's like from Van Halen one to 84, right? The classic six pack. That band grew tremendously. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? But everything's good in the catalog from the first record to 84. Sammy Hagar comes in. They totally change. It's 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 a very interesting point. I want to throw something at you because you hit on something I, I had a feeling we were going to get to today. Um, talking about gatekeeping and talking about bands that are enormously huge like a Foo Fighters and you can't figure out why the other thing I always wonder is it seems like every decade we have a band that everybody just shits on that doesn't deserve it and you brought that up with the Starship thing so I think of like for example Winger 
with Beavis and Butthead, Stewart yeah. wearing the winger shirt, and then winger just is, I mean, dead <laughs> to rights right there. They're, they're done, career over, right? And Which is funny because they're still around, which is crazy. Yeah. But then I think of Nickelback. And Nickelback, I think, is a perfect example. Do I like Nickelback? I don't. But I feel like everybody hops on the destroy Nickelback way more than they deserve because they are a talented band. I just don't care for what they write. I don't feel like they deserve the the destruction they get. I mean, could you imagine being the guy and like the lead singer of that band? And you're just, I mean, it's basically a firing squad on you. Like, <laughs> do you just not look, do you just not look at the internet? Like, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, you know, we're both on Twitter. Twitter's bad enough, right? But like, could you imagine all of that? And, and here's the thing, man, that band sold millions of records. Yeah. People bought it. Yep. You know, as much as everybody hates on it, it's like, it's and like the Canadian. They are Canadian, right? I know. Do all the Canadian bands stick up for them then? Like, it just, does like Rush stick up for them and like Brian Adams and Triumph and <laughs> to throw that out there? But I mean, how do you feel about that? Because I feel like that's one of the things, like a gatekeeping weird thing about music is I feel like there's a lot of bands that are way worse than them, like as a band, but did, just does not get, like, why do you feel like we have every decade we have that one band that people just annihilate you know it's interesting it's so, it's so funny you brought up nickelback too because when, the more i think about it you know in in the i guess you could say from the mtv year on you know like personality of the band was was so much more important too you know and how they looked and you know what they said publicly and everything else and I, for the life of me i can't think of when i think of all the hate towards nickelback I can't think about anything sort of in, of particular about like the band like doing anything. It's really is strangely all about their music. It's Where weird, Adam, right? You know, Adam Levine or, you know, or, you know Oh God. Whatever, you, know. <laughs> you think of like, you know, there's, there's all lots of different ways that one could hate on an artist, right? <laughs> oh, he's opening up a can of worms too, man. You know, it's funny too, because of the, the, you know, Oh, what, what do you say? Like only no attractive women listen to heavy metal or something. And then, the next thing I see, the meme police come out and they got a shirt with him, like with, without his shirt on and saying he looks like a Chipotle bag. And I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here, this is this is this is a day where quotes get taken and uh, run for cover. Right. But but why do you think that is? I mean, like you're right about the Nickelback thing. And look, the winger thing. OK, Kip Winger kind of did that to himself. You know what I mean? When you're writing songs, she's she's only 17, and you're prancing around with with the with the Britney Spears headset. You know, 15 years before Britney Spears wore the headset, like you're you're kind of an easy target. You know what I mean? But but it always seems like there's that scapegoat band, and I can't figure it out. And it's kind of like the it's kind of like the opposite of the teeter totter of us talking about the Foo Fighters being that band that everybody loves and maybe because it's Grohl, right? The way Grohl is. And then we go the opposite side of the situation where it's like everybody hates Nickelback and I can't yeah. figure out why. Yeah, where do you, I, part of me wants to say, you know, there's some sort of, you know, think back to like like the late 80s, early 90s of and like, uh, and, and hard rock and heavy metal too. And like Bon Jovi had kind of had that too. There was kind of this like, yep. where, where do you draw this like kind of authenticity line kind of thing, right? If, if, if you know, if you're, you know, the, the punk club, what's in and what's out what's you know in terms of what's real metal what's you know what's not real metal and you know and, and and that's sort of like legitimacy thing that you know this all these subcultures and subgenres you know all you know want to choose to be you know they're 
their thing. I, I, I tend to, to think of Nickelback myself as I, 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 I uh, and, and acts like them. I, I think of them, I call them a crot truck, that it's like kind of all from the groin without much soul. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a lot of them, and they play them on like LA radio too. And, and, and I'm just like, yeah, this sounds just like another crotch rock band. You're just like a, a, you know, a, a yelling kind of guy, you know, with the kind of pretty standard kind of power chords. And you know, that's but you just- don't hear it and think it's bad in terms of musicianship, right? Like these guys look, let I'm gonna go down something that's gonna make people get pissed at me, but it's like the Sex Pistols. If you look at Sid Vicious, he had to put the notes on his bass neck because he had no idea how to play. Right. Like, if you listen to that band, there's that energy and that rawness that sounds really cool. But, like, put those two bands in a room and don't don't say Sex Pistols, don't say, you know, um, Nickelback, and just have them play and you not be able to see them or even know. Like, you, which one would you tell me was the better band? And I'm not talking songwriting-wise, but which one would you tell me was the better band? Well, how would you define better band, though? I guess I guess that's the... I, guess I don't... I, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, sing, singing in key, you know, like your, your <laughs> okay. tempo's not all over the place, knowing knowing what a bass guitar is, you know, those type of things. Like, Okay, so, so, bass, okay, so basic you know. relationship. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, you hear that, and I, and I always... And it's because it, the thing that makes me laugh about that is I think that started really... I think Nirvana started that movement, and I'm not I'm not hating on Nirvana in terms of musicianship. Where I got respect for Nirvana is when I started teaching guitar, and I, you know, every kid that came in, you know, 12 years old, backwards baseball cap, flannel, you know, and they, they come in one to learn Nevermind, you know, Offspring, Green Day, you know, what I mean, that was it. Like those were the three bands I had to teach, basically, right? But I came to appreciate and understand Nirvana more after I taught them when I gave them a real listen, right? But I think that's where everything started, if you think about it, where like the musicianship wasn't, I don't want to say sloppy, but maybe sloppy in a good way, you know, like, like had, had a vibe to it, if that makes sense. Okay. But, but I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. It's that slacker kind of vibe of, of grunge, maybe you know, the way you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I think what ended up happening was, is we traded, we traded the musicianship for the soul. So there's a lot more soul in that music compared to i mean you're getting to the point in the late 80s my friend where it's like who is writing their songs anymore who is playing who's playing their instruments on their albums anymore i mean i'd rather have the band that plays on their own albums that are having you know like gene simmons like i don't think he played on the kiss record for a decade like you know what i mean like and you know how that goes i mean maybe you feel this maybe you feel this way or don't i don't i don't know but it always bummed me out when I'd learn like, oh, wow, Ace Freely didn't play on any of that record. Cool. But he's on the cover. Awesome. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. I almost felt like I was being sold a, a bag of goods where I'm like, oh, that really sucks. I really thought that was him. And when you're younger, you don't know as much. And when you get older, you're like, yeah, there's no way in hell, you know, Ace Freely's playing that lead to Detroit Rock City, like the harmony guitar solo. That's not Ace Freely. You know, like you, you, yeah. you start to wisen up a bit, right? But I don't know, man. It's it's well. well that's so. It seems like what you're, you're getting it is almost like a, a maybe some trends too. But you know, I, I just recently about a month or so ago, sort of the there's that documentary about the Wrecking Crew. Okay. Uh, and and I that blew me away as to just how I mean, not just sort of the whole span of you know all their credits that they didn't get it, you know, a lot of credit for, but also just how many uh, 
I would say maybe like, pre, I guess, be, well, at least their time, so it would have been pre-1970 uh, kind of, of bands and, and, and acts that they were actually the, the recording music for, even though, you know, you sort of like the, the good looking guys with mop top hair and, you know, whatever kind of boots, you know, sort of showing up for, for stuff. And so, um, uh, so that, you know, that, that was kind of a, that was, that was kind of an eye opener for me too. Uh, you know, and, and, and I'll admit, you know, it sits, sits with me a little awkwardly as well. You know, like, well, wait a minute, they weren't, you know, it really wasn't them playing. You know? And then, and then the thing which they credit at the end of saying, you know, what, what really put them out of work was that the public really wanted you know musicians who were you know that authentic thing where they they could actually play in their own instruments and this was their own music and they were really doing it um so you know and then you got punk which is you know i i you know kind of see like a you know kind of like an art movement you know like a like it's the deconstructionist sort of pushback against uh things that were fancy you know in that case you know you had Prague really getting like very virtue so in some ways i don't know I, I when i think about this kind of historically too I, like i almost see like grunge is kind of almost being like like the punk movement but like, totally. kind of like punk light in that way you know you still had like the major labels and you had you know you, you sort of had scenes and but you had, you had bands that could play and you know that were writing stuff that was uh you know, t- took musicianship that was, uh, you know, I mean, no, no disrespect to punk artists, but, you know, again, you know, the, what the Sex Pistols were doing is, was a very different thing, or, and even the Ramones to a certain degree. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, but like the Ramones in a sense, like that, there was clearly like a, a res- you could see that they were influenced by something previously. So it had that kind of garage homage kind of thing. Well, and even with the, you know, this was now the, I guess the Hendrix uh, uh, genealogy of <laughs> and Neil Young, I guess. <laughs> You're totally right on that, and I'm glad you you hit that point home because, like, that's a one-two punch for basically Pearl Jam's career, if you really think about it. Like, I always yeah. say the first two Pearl Jam records are great, and then they turn into a Neil Young, you know, cover band mm-hmm. is, is how I hear them, like, you know, after that. Like, where it's just like, I, I loved what that band sounded like, and I felt like, I felt like a lot of those bands in the early 90s took everything I loved about 70s music made it modern you know yes. what i mean and put their own spin on it it was like it was a weird time period because you had bands that you would have considered metal but they kind of weren't metal at the same time like Soundgarden's a perfect example of that and alice in chains is a perfect example of that it's like they were two people forget was were really on the scene way before nirvana oh yeah absolutely i i mean well Soundgarden was the first really and then it was and then Allison Chains came after them, then Nirvana and Pearl Jam. You know, even though they're all playing the same scene around the same time, I mean, we can go way back to Mother Love Bone and Green River and, and right. all those great, you know, great bands before them, too. Um, I actually saw Allison Chains open up for Van Halen uh, at the oh. Brandon, Brandon Burn Arena in 1991. And uh, I went both nights. And the second night, we skipped Allison Chains because they were so boring to us, which is crazy <laughs> because. A year later, I move out to Reno to go to college, and a, a friend of mine in the dorm room is blasting dirt. And I'm like, I went down the hallway. I'm like, what are you listening to? I'm like, oh, the new Alice in Chains record. I was like, <laughs> wow. And then I was just, forget it. I was, became one of my favorite bands, you know, of all time, really. I just, I just love that band. But 
And don't was, forget, then you also had Smashing Pumpkins, albeit you know out of out of uh, Illinois, uh, Chicago yep. area there too. You know, and, and you know Billy Corgan was was definitely uh, you know classic rock, Rush, and Deep Purple. Oh, to Thin Lizzy, which people yeah, don't Thin pick Lizzy. up on, a criminally underrated band that just does not get the due they they deserve. Thin Lizzy. I mean, there's they've influenced so many more bands that people don't realize. You know, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of funny, man. And this is a, a more shit I'll get from people. I think like '88 to like 94 was like our last great period of music that was innovative, fresh, new, exciting. Um, and everybody could kind of fit in to yes. that mold if you think about it. And I know I get shit from people because they're like, oh, there's a bunch of good stuff today. And like, yeah, there is. I'm not disagreeing. But it's like when you look at everybody that was coexisting, I think 92 is what changed it. But like you had like the Metallica Blackout. I and mean, I'm not – and. For the people listening, I'm not saying these records are great or not great. You make your own opinions. But, like, you have the Metallica Black album. You have Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. Jane's Addiction um, Ritual. You have both Guns N' Roses albums. You have right. Ozzy's No More Tears. You have Nevermind. You have Bad Motor Finger. You have 10 by Pearl Jam. I mean, Dirt. I mean, think about how eclectic that is that all worked in that time period and then it seemed by like 92 the tide started changing and all those bands kind of started falling away and then that movement that grunge movement really kind of took hold and then i think it changed and the alt movement too and just in general too totally about uh you know think of all the british acts too that we were kind of all getting exposed to as well you know oh absolutely it's it's almost like the second coming right Right. You know, from from the first time the British movement came in the 60s, you know, do you think and I want to ask this about your hill. Um, do you give the Foo Fighters music, the new stuff, a chance at all or now? Have you sat down with a record like will you sit down with a record now that mean you've had this conversation? Because I know I'm going to I'm going to sit down with a newer record and go, all right, is my opinion still valid or do, or am I incorrect? Because I had a guy on a friend of mine that had a, made a great point where saying, if you don't listen to new music from one of your favorite bands, you're not really a fan of that band. Mm. And I was like, man, that's a great point because yep. he's Fair. like, he's like the new Queens awesome and no one will listen to it because it doesn't have the same singer and it's really good. And it's like, how, how would you not give that a chance if you consider yourself a fan of that band? And I know, you know, we we fall out of bands. Like there's bands you like 20, 30 years ago that maybe don't age well at all. You know what I mean? Like there's certain bands like that for me where I'm like, oh my God, I, well, I don't even know how I listen to this. But I'm going to give, I'm going to pick like two two Foo Fighters records. And for anybody listening, do the same thing. If you're if you're on the, on the hill with us, grab two Foo Fighter records, listen to them and see how much your opinion changes or not. Do you think uh, you think yours will? And when you're saying two, you're 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 saying just something the newer, stuff. yeah. yeah some, don't do like an old and new or something. No, no, just newer stuff. Like pick like the the last two records and just kind of see how, you know, because because what I would find with that band is I'd hear something to go, man, this is badass, and then by the end of the song, I'd be like, all right, well, I knew you were going there, and I think <laughs> as a musician, maybe that maybe maybe playing music and being a musician and a teacher for so long kind of ruins music for me in a bit that would be a cool die on the hill to, or, or a good conversation to have like do you become too musical where things don't hit you the same as they mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like i don't know it's it's an interesting You're old and jaded. 
I, yeah, right. Or, or like, here's the other thing too. Like, how much, how much more stuff can be di- discovered that was considered groundbreaking? Right. You know what I mean? Like, have we discovered almost everything? And people will disagree with me. Go, oh no, there's this now. This band's record's amazing. And like, I'll go listen to it and go, well, it sounds like sped up Motorhead and this. Like, where's something? Like, okay, perfect example. When I heard Corn for the first time. Like, I never heard anything like that. Like, seven-string guitars, like, a ton of mid-range on the guitars, like, you know, the 808, you know, from rap in 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 the music, that high-pitched snare, like, the, the breakdown-y stuff with the really interesting vocals and the weird guitar stuff in the middle. That was like, what am I listening to? That was amazing. But I don't get that feeling anymore when I listen to stuff. But then when that Corn rap record came out, I think I was... 20 so 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 you you know what do you think do you think you hit a certain age and music doesn't affect you as much because you're too old now i don't know or they say there's some research around that that uh, about how your uh, your brain tends to center on it's like sort of like a developmental period and then and and that's the time where you know that seems to coincide with like music and you tend to think about the you know that the that was when music was good and stuff like that too. So maybe, maybe we are working against, well, maybe if that's true, then we're working against a little bit of a bias. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, it's such a different world now. I mean, you know, and the other thing is, and I don't, I, you could even look at it on the flip side of that is I, I think that in some ways commercial radio has really sort of cheapened the past in many respects. You know, when you think about like, when I think of like growing up with like WNEW in New York city and like the stuff that they would play, and, you know, that you just would, don't hear that. I mean, you know, on, a, on a standard classic rock station now, you know, you hear, you know, you got to hear Queen every hour and uh, and only, you know, like two or three songs. You know, there's always a Pink Floyd song. There's always a Foreigner song or whatever, you know, that, that sort of stuff. Um, and depending on what region you're in, maybe you get a Van Halen or, you know, maybe you'll get a Billy Joel. Sure, <laughs> sure totally. Yeah, totally. Kind of thing. And so, but so what I, I've really come to appreciate um, in, in many respects too is, uh, you know, kind of even going back, I mean, this, I mean maybe this sounds like I, I'm just kind of an old guy and I'm, I'm clinging to like the archives, but, you know, it's amazing how much material still is out there that like even I haven't been sort of exposed to or I'm just getting exposed to now of like just the B-sides. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great to just have radio stations with the B-sides or it'd be great to even have like stations that play um, – and even by, the sense, by saying radio, I guess I, maybe I'm sounding like a little bit of uh, like outdated in a way too. But uh, but even like alternative music, what we think of like as alternative music from like, you know, like punk new wave, like onward into like the 90s. So, you know, you've got like a good 20 years there of spanning that. You know, we're, you really don't even have like sort of dedicated stations to that. So in terms of, so you've got, so there's sort of that element of like, what is it really that we're kind of heavily exposed to? And then also you have this kind of very uh, fragmented kind of music scene now where, you know, the made, you know, where people are, you know, doing, doing it themselves, you know, and you're going out and, you're, 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 and you've got to go find and search out stuff or, you know, or you got to really trove through Bandcamp or <laughs> those right, places. Right, right. And so, um, so yeah, you know, it's, re- it's, it's really, I, I think it's hard in that way to kind of, uh, you know, to do something sort of systematically and find those things that really can kind of get you jazzed, jazzed up. But, but I think too, I think it is sort of a, a function of age though, too. And just being around is, you know, it's, it's very hard to, 
for me too to listen to stuff and you know even if i like it it has nothing to do with whether it's you know, the, the sort of the quality of it but immediately kind of going oh yeah you know that sounds like uh ufo or uh you know with a little bit of rainbow thrown in <laughs> right, to, right to, well think about this let me throw something at you real quick and this will be kind of fun right in your head i want you to pick three songs off the top of your head that you have memories associated with and I know you can do this because we can all do this. So, so give me three songs off the top of your head you have a memory associated with. Welcome to the Jungle. Okay. I remember that. Yeah, just the opening, just yep. the opening yep. uh, note of that. And I felt like, uh, you know, I got grabbed by the throat and punched to the face. Yeah, totally. Like, and, loved, and was loving every minute of it. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, uh, let's see. And it could be a person. Like you have this memory. Like I always remember like – I always remember listening to like, um, you know, uh, I can't tell you why Beach Laguna, nineteen ninety one. I can give you that memory, right? So, so give me two more. It doesn't have yeah. to be like when you heard the song and it blew you away. Like, think of a song that that hits a memory, and it could be a memory of your mom and dad. It could be a memory of a girlfriend. It could be a memory of uh, anything. Just, just two random off your head. Definitely would be uh, uh, something off. I think it's the first time I listened to Led Zeppelin four. Okay. So maybe like Black Dog, just because okay. it was different than something, anything like I'd, I'd been listening to before that. Right. And uh, oh boy, you'll remember like oh, you know, I'll do a recent one because this okay. is sort of just a discovery for me. But, okay. but it was one of these. Well, I, uh, actually, before I even get into that, I'll say also uh, probably um, Rush is all the world's a stage. Because okay. when I had only known like basically like Tom Sawyer, stuff, and Tom Sawyer, yeah, and Spirit right. of Radium. And then putting that on and thinking, what the hell is this? And like, you know, just my 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 mind blood with that too. But I would say even more recently, so I I I don't want to say forced myself, but I I thought it would be kind of a fun thing. I did a deep dive into Judas Priest. Okay. In their back catalog. Because I was just like, you know, I really don't know a whole lot about about their stuff other than, you know, the kind of the standard the standard sure. stuff. You got another thing coming, you know, and uh, you're breaking the law. And um Dissident Aggressor comes on in the on the Sin After Sin album. And I had this, I had all these things planned. It was during like a work day, minding my own business. And just that, are you, are you familiar with it? You know, so that, yeah. that opening, you know, chugging along riff. Yeah. And then just all of a sudden it just totally goes haywire. It just, you know, it just kicks ass. And, you know, and, and I was, I remember I felt, and in a way, I mean, maybe this gets back to what we're talking about. Like in a way, I almost felt like I got that uh, Welcome to the Jungle kind of rush thing again, where I just stopped in my tracks you know, now I'm, you know, how many decades older and again, what the fuck is this? This yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh my God, you know, this was like years ahead of like, you know, I can think of the, you know, this, this, the same riffs, the same, you know, the double bass drum, everything else like that. Who picked up that and took and took it into the eighties? You know, how many different bands, you know, would have drawn on that? Like, wow. And that was just ahead of its time. Now think about this with the other memories that you had. Your ages were what, 12, 13, yeah. 14? It's interesting, yeah. right? Like right. where... where the Jungle would have been about 7th or 8th grade, I think. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, probably... You know, yeah. well, let me think. 80, 87. 87, yes, yeah, so you're right. Probably probably 8th grade. Because actually, you know what? That record didn't really hit until 8th grade, even though it came out in 87. Right. And Because MTV didn't play it. And then it was a slow... It was a slow burn on that record, the trajectory of it. But it, it's kind of funny because I think about those that, that time where the memories I associate most with music for me are like between the ages of like 13 and maybe like 23, 24. Mm. 
It's really weird. It's like I don't associate a lot of music I hear nowadays with memories. It, most of the music that I hear, the memories are from that time period of my life. And that's why I wonder when you brought up that thing about studies of you know when people are seeing where music means the most to you. And I don't know if it's a thing where when you're younger – like, especially in our generation, there wasn't the internet really yet, right? You know what I mean? There wasn't phones with the internet where you could just, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff. So I think when you hung out with people in high school and college and even in seventh and eighth grade, you were getting turned on to music. And maybe this person had this and, the, and you borrow the, the cassette tape or the CD or you, or you burn the cassette tape, right? And it's like once you got out of college, I think that disappears. Unless yes. you're like in a band or something and like, you know, whatever. But I think that disappears. And I think that time period. And I don't know what it is like now because now, like we talked about, it's so different. Like you can find, like perfect example. Here's, here's something that tripped me out. Um, do you know about the band Death? Not the death metal band. The, the band of the Afri- African-American guys that were like in the yes. like, like early 70s in Detroit. I yeah. didn't hear about that band until yeah. that documentary. Right, immediately. And that shit blew my mind. I was like, these guys were so ahead of their time. And I don't know why they, I don't know why, why they didn't blow up, but they were just so ahead of their time. And that was something that kicked my butt, but it was something from the seventies. Yeah. It's weird. Isn't it? When you think about it, you know, the other thing though, too, is I'm trying, I'm thinking back to that time too, you know, you're exposed to music and it also, I think kind of fits kind of the time of life too there's that there was and well and i guess that that historical period too where you know people had their you know the patches on their jackets or you know or whatever and you know and you had these kinds of uh fault lines you know where you were just like oh you know those those kids are into uh into goth you know or you know totally totally right yeah and you're like i've never heard of them i don't see them on mtv you know and that sort of thing and so there there it came there was all this sort of uh clout or kind of cred that kind of came with or an identity that got built around you know like was was about you around your music taste too you know what i mean i mean i guess no different than you know when you say you know i'm a i don't know i'm a yankee fan or i'm a mets fan or... <laughs> dude it's true though man you're not and and i think that's the thing that's interesting about music i mean i've made music a career and music's been my life for my god you're like there's not many people that know me that don't know me as a guitar player but obviously you do because we met in like second grade but I mean, music's been in my life now. I've been a guitar player since I was 13 years old. Wow. Yeah. We won't tell the listeners how long that's been, but, uh, <laughs> but, but it's been, it's been an enormous part of my life. It's, it's a piece of wood with six strings and I still do it. I just played right before me and you um, got on, on Zoom to do this interview, this podcast. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I think music will always be in my life. I just don't know how it's going to be. You know what I mean? Like I'm forced to because I teach. So, but you know what the weirdest thing is? I'll tell you something else that's interesting, right? I don't teach any Foo Fighters. You know what I teach? What do you think I teach? I, I'll give you the Holy Trinity in a second, but what do you think I teach? I'm just curious. Now, I teach everybody across the board, right? I was going to say like, stairway, but you probably would be pulling your hair out. I don't. I don't teach it. I don't mind it either. Like that's one of those things where if you if you stay away from a song for a decade or two, you really grasp its importance more, I think, right. if that kind of makes sense. Right. But what, do you, what do you think I teach right now? Well, as I understand it, isn't, I mean, isn't, isn't grunge kind of having a bit of a revival? 
Yeah, but but I'm teaching. You're gonna die laughing, man. I teach a lot of Maiden. Really, a lot of, a lot of older Metallica, okay. um, uh, Guns and Roses. Okay, like it's crazy what I'm teaching. Like like students that are younger, not older students. Students that are younger. If it's a girl, they'll bring in something I've never heard. Normally, singer songwriter stuff. Interesting. But if it's a boy, most of the time, it's stuff from the '80s and early '90s. It's not hardly anything from today. Well, but that was also such a vibrant period for guitar rock, too, if you think about it, right? Oh, I mean, huge. Of, you know, I mean, what, what got you playing, right? It was, was Van, Van Halen, Halen and Steve Vai, you know, and all, you know, I think of all like, you know, that, that was the, you know, the, the virtuoso uh, and, and uh, you know, in 9,000 notes a second, uh, yep. you know, kind of shredding. It. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guilty. I still yeah. remember Van Halen. I still remember the, the the. I wanted to pick up a guitar because I saw the jump video, and I and I saw David Lee Roth jumping off the drum riser and Eddie Van Halen with that like crazy looking outfit with the jeans with just weird looking jeans with the red you know red red white and black striped guitar, and I was like, that is the coolest dude I've ever seen. Like I need a guitar. Yeah, and I had a great time in that video too. Dude, I was <laughs> smiling the whole way. I, we didn't have like kind of like the attitude, right? You know, kind no, of thing. Because we weren't even just playing with boys. Dude, we time. weren't even ten yet, man. And and my my mom would not let me get a guitar until I graduated eighth grade because she thought I was going to do drugs and drop out of high school. And I'm like, mom, I'm not even in high school yet. <laughs> yeah, like, but you know what? But I remember this now too about you. I remember though, you you had a cousin who turned you on to uh to yeah. us. Yeah. And and then Randy Rhodes became also like you. Like huge. Huge. Those, that, was, <laughs> that, was, that was my one-two punch, man. Like those two <laughs> guitar <laughs> players. You know what I mean? Amazing yeah. guitar players, man. I mean, it's yeah. it's crazy to think, you know. But, but, but going back to the Foo Fighter thing one more time because I'm, I'm just – I'm really curious about this. Do you think we'll ever have another stadium-type band? That's not older, that's new, or do you think that's a thing of the past? Because look at look at the Bon Jovi, not Bon Jovi, the uh, uh, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison tour. They're playing football stadiums, right? Right. Like, do you ever think we're going to have that again? Do you think we're going to have a band that comes out in the next two or three years that could be a stadium type of band within within five ten years of them existing? Well, I guess my, my next thought would be, well, what, what would they have to sound like? I mean, like, could could they be something pretty kind of newish or would it have to be something that would like? So the, the band that comes to mind is, um, oh, now I'm blanking out with the, the, the band from Michigan, the the young guys that sound like Zeppelin. Oh, Greta, Fr- Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. yeah. Would, would they have to be like where they hit that kind of like, uh, you know, part in, in, in the in the classic rock fans kind of brain? to be that kind of a reenact or, or could they be doing something completely different? Is, is there something, do you need to be I, more visual? Like what, what's the future of rock, you know, in some ways too. Right. Do you need to be visual? Do you think like, you know, like Ramstein or Ramstein, yeah. like they do stadiums, right. But like their shows completely visual. I mean, is that the new thing where like to, to be on a big, I just, it's weird because I don't know where music's going. It, it, it's exciting in a way, in a way it's scary. Okay, to bring it on home um, about the hill that you're dying on, that I'm right there with you. Any last thoughts about, you know, 
why this band is so unbelievably huge. I mean, I, I think it's kind of cool. I think that they do capture a, a you know a certain sort of feeling, and you know, and it shows that the spirit and the and the I hate to make it sound like a business, but you know, the demand, the market demand is out there for arena rock and everything else, and, and people really like that and everything else. But um, yeah, and I, I guess you know, the, I, again, I get, this is sort of my uh, uh, disclaimer. I guess you know, I, I'm sure if I hung out with Dave Grohl, we'd have a great time talking about music and everything totally. else. He's like a totally nice guy and everything else, and and, and they're not a bad band, you know. But but uh, you know, but again, like you know, thinking about Pierce, but but there's sort of a flip side to this in a way. You know, we talked about how they, uh, you know, you know, bring on the. You know the the rock gods of 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 past uh, decades, and you know perform with them, whether it be Paul McCartney or John Paul Jones or you know whoever. Um, so, it, and they use that, you know, and certainly that associates them, you know, and, put, and puts them in that sort of pantheon. You know, as as does I guess now the rock the rock hall thing probably legitimates them even further in, in that way. But the question then becomes, as we were talking about with like, sir, where's the future of arena rock might be, or or maybe rock in general, and 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 the where, where I'm, I'm wondering with them is, will we see them sort of taking up the mantle of promoting junior bands or, you know, or, or up and coming acts? We don't really see that with them, do we? No, we see like Paul Stanley comes out and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and Paul McCartney, you know, and they're going to do, uh, or John Fogarty, and they're going to do, you know, Fortunate Son. Um, but, you know, where, where is the, uh, no, yeah, no, I mean, I, I haven't seen Foo Fighters ever live. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do that with with their opening acts. I don't know. But uh, but it would be nice to see for when with Dave Grohl, you know, kind of you know being always in the media as he is, you know, now taking up as we said, kind of these as an ambassador of rock in a sense, saying you know, hey, here are the bands I'm listening to nowadays. They're you know they're kind of new, and you you know maybe you should check them out, or, or I like them because of this, and here's why, you know, and kind of using that uh, using his powers for good, I guess you could say. No, it's a great point, man, because that that little girl that's that drummer like obviously right. she got popular because you know she was you know putting videos up and somebody alerted him and whatnot and i always think that's cool yeah, that's and, a great example yeah but like think about this though other than that example right like who else and you're not wrong i don't think like i don't i you always hear of him playing with paul mccartney or doing with this and sitting in with this or sitting in with that but it's like like where where are the bands from his hometown? Because I think he's a DC guy, from what I remember, and then moved out to Seattle. But like, where's the where's the bringing up the newer bands that aren't even you know on the radar? Because right. that would be a great thing to do. Because he really has done that, like that that uh, Sound City documentary. Right. That's great. I mean, it's phenomenal. And that was where I was kind of like, okay, like. Would you have ever admitted that you were like into Rick Springfield when you were the drummer in Nirvana? No. So that was the thing that made me kind of go, all right, what's up, dude? You know, but, <laughs> but at the same time, like here's, here's 13 year old me. Am I, am I going to admit that I think Hall Notes is great at 13 when I'm hanging out with all my metalhead friends? No, but like Hall Notes, you know, Hall Notes is a travesty too, man, because right. you get rid of the damn drum machine. Right. And that band is just a badass R and B soul like rock really? band, and and that drum machine like you've seen Daryl's house, right? Yeah, I mean those songs come. I even to saw me. them live in like late oh. the late nineties, and they were terrific. Do you put you put you put a real band like drums 
He's a hell of a guitar player too, which I did not know. Um, you put real drums to that stuff, and that's one of the most criminal things, in my opinion. Like getting stuck in the '80s drum machine, new wave but not new wave. We don't know because really think about Hall Notes, perfect example. Like what the hell are they back then? They're not a new wave band, even though they tried to go drum machine route. They weren't total R and B act. Yeah. But were they really an R and B act though? You know, they, I can I can imagine so many of their songs with like that the I can imagine the Temptations singing totally. But like if they tried to you know reboot themselves in the 1980s and like a new the the, the next wave uh, you know that the the Temptations are trying to reestablish themselves, they could pull that off. For the would have been the death of that band though. Yeah. Back then, would have been the death of that band because they were that type of band in the 70s. Right. But where did they get popular? Really? Right. In the early 80s, right? right. And, and it was right. Drum Machine Central, man. It's really crazy. Yeah. So I like that point that you brought up. And I'd like to see, Dave, you're never going to listen to this podcast, but if someone ever plays this for you, which would be absolutely hysterical, feel free to come on the show. But, but take, care of the, take care of the bands that were like you struggling trying getting out there you know what i mean you have the power you are like i mean he is like it's weird to think that the drummer nirvana is now one of the biggest rock star quote-unquote rock stars of the last 30 years like you, you that is such a left field like you know um uh, oh God! What was that movie with uh, Kaiser Soze? It's like one of those turns where you're like, <laughs> "What? Like, there's no way that's happening, man." You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, take care of uh, take care of the 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 younger generation of bands. Bring them up. What you're doing and getting to play like Idol, like where you're getting to jam with all these people you grew up listening to. I mean, maybe I'm jealous, right? Because that's an amazing thing. Like. Right. You know, if Ozzy was like, why don't you come over and we'll play some books up songs? And I would be like, yes, please. Can we do that? I know them all, you know, like, or, or, or Dave Lee Roth, like, boozy, boozy, bop. You want to come on over? We'll do some Panama. I'd be like, yes, man. Like, I will listen to you talk forever if we can just jam those tunes. So I understand that aspect of Grohl, but bring up the new bands. Hey, man, before I let you get out, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. First time I think I've seen you since probably, God, high school. Probably. Yeah, except through Twitter, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's probably the first time I've seen you, man. So it was a great conversation. Wonderful. Thank, yeah, thanks for having me. This is yeah, so man. Um, plug yourself real quick if you want to. What do you got going on? I don't. I'm just going to say, everybody, the uh, the pandemic's not over. So uh, stay safe out there. You know, don't take, still don't take a lot of risks. If you, if you think you got, uh, if you think you're heading into some, you know, we go out and enjoy yourself, but you know, if you can, if you can eat outdoors, drink outdoors, do it. That's nice things. Keep keep that risk kind of down. Keep these keep the levels of COVID where we're kind of seeing them, or, or hopefully a lot lower. And uh, and we're and and definitely wear a mask uh, when you know when around others too, and and not not just think about yourself, but thinking about uh, other people too. Yeah, man, I agree with that. And uh, God, we can go into that forever, but that has nothing to do with music, even though it really destroyed music for a couple of years, which is absolutely crazy. Rich, it's been awesome having you on the show, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for for, having me. I do. It's an absolute pleasure, man. And I hope to have you come on the show again for sure. Anytime. I appreciate that, my brother. Take care. 